Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spate. He's hey one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. And one of our goals here at Central is to help every single member live out the life of Christ. So if that's you and you're here on a, on a weekly basis, hey, make sure to get in touch with us and, and help us connect you to the body and connect you to the ministry that we've got going on here. Um, this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we we blow up in the old testament we just talk about who's there and we connect it to the new testament and the coming of christ absolutely uh we are going to be in genesis chapter 49 tonight genesis chapter 49 and, and, and we need to clear we we've skipped a couple of chapters because there's some things in there that we're going to come back to later yes you know about yes. Ephraim and manasseh we'll come back to later yes so and we'll get into that in just a second yeah um if you're watching this on the if you're excuse me rather if you're listening to this on the heart and hands podcast i want to thank you so much for joining us tonight and if you're watching this on youtube make sure you like and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video um our our new editor she's putting stuff up now so we've yep. got a couple of sermons out now and it's yep. it's awesome we're moving finally moving through youtube and i look whoa that's me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was it was a sermon from 2019 that's right which well, is doing a great job and so yep. we're have we have a lot more content coming out so make sure you've got the bell turned on if you're watching this on youtube if you're watching this on facebook make sure you like and you share the video that really helps us out and again just thank you so much for joining us tonight as Absolutely. i said we're going to be in genesis 49 we are skipping as dan was just saying we are we are skipping ahead a couple of chapters but because we want to come back we'll come back to genesis 48 well, it's relevant. Down the road. Some of it's relevant in when we get into First and Second Kings, when we get into some of the prophets. Some of it's relevant. Absolutely. You know, and we'll, it'll be easier to talk about it then. Absolutely. So we'll come back to it. So we're gonna we're gonna come back and cover Genesis forty-eight another day. For now, we're gonna jump into Genesis forty-nine. We'll see how far we get. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be together tonight. Uh, we're thankful, Father, for the Word, the power it has, and the ability we have to, the opportunity we have, rather, to to study it together. I pray that uh, you be with our audience, be with all that are watching and listening, and and that uh, if there's anything that uh, that they need, that you make us aware of that, Father, that we can do whatever whatever we can do and whatever is necessary there. Just bless us tonight, Father. Help us to uh, to just look for the truth and help us just to put it out there in a way where everyone can understand it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, before we jump into Genesis 49, we've spent a very long time with this family, with Abraham's family, mm -hmm. and with God's work, first in Genesis chapters 1 through 11, his work on a grand scale, on the scale of the cosmos or the world itself. And then after chapter, excuse me, rather into chapter 12, we start dealing with God specifically with this family. We're about to jump into Exodus and start to learn about these people, about the people of Israel that are actually hearing mm -hmm. this book or reading this book or hearing these stories through <clears throat> Moses. Um, of course, that doesn't preclude that, you know, some of these stories might have been told, but I don't think to this extent, you know. And so Moses is regaling a lot of this information to the Israelites, maybe for some, <coughs> for, some for the first time. This is, a, this is a people in Exodus that we see wandering through the wilderness. Mm -hmm. They, they've been cut off. God is trying to make them into a people. He's, he's giving them a law. He's giving them an identity. He's, he's doing all of these things. He's taking them by what, the hand. What are some of the most important lessons, do you think, those Israelites needed to learn as they wandered through the desert about God from these stories? Well, one of the things you have to understand, you have to remember is, is that they're going to be there for a long time. We left them in Goshen. When we left the last, that's where they ended up in Goshen. That's part of Egypt. And, and it's a real fertile, very, very productive area. But it quickly, it, what happens is, and we'll see in Exodus, that they, there's a Pharaoh comes along that doesn't know them, doesn't care about them, and enslaves them. And they're going to be there for 400 years. So when they, when they get out, they are slaves. They are no longer this people. They are this people, but they're slaves, hmm. and they have a slave mentality. So I think trust in God, mm. to trust God. You know, they can look at, at someone like Joseph mm. and say how Joseph trusted God and in spite of all the difficulties he went through. He was he, extremely difficult circumstances. Uh, he can even, he, they can even uh, uh, learn hope. You know, there, there, was, there was a hopelessness in, in, in Israel for a long time. I mean, can you imagine the chaos that was in Abraham and Sarah's life, the chaos that was in, that was in Jacob? 
and, and Leah and Rachel's life and all that, that the, the dynamic of the hopelessness of the family. You know, all those stories would have been told and they could, they could learn hope and trust and faith in God. And I think that was something they, they had forgotten because God had abandoned them, they felt, for 400 years. They cried out and he never showed up. And then when he showed up, he showed up in the form of Moses. They couldn't, they, they, just like when Christ showed up, they couldn't accept what you, what you're going to, you're going to kill us and hide us like you did that Egyptian. Mm, yeah. You see? So they have to learn all over again how to hope and how to trust, and how to faith in God, how to believe in him again. And I think uh, these stories, uh, especially Joseph, uh, I mean, Judah, you know, we'll, we'll look at that in just a minute. Judah turns his life around uh, because of what's happened to Joseph. And I think those are all stories that they that they could learn. And they learn. I'm sure they learn from. I'm sure the stories were 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 told them over and over. And of course, we know that Moses wrote all of this down. So he would have divinely understood that and been been taught that by God. And so he would have told them. Don't you think there was many times where Moses sat around a campfire and they sat all around and, and he just told stories as they were wandering in the oh, wilderness. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It wasn't just they wandered around, they camped and they went to sleep. Camp, wandered, around, wandered around camp and went to sleep. There was there was story time. There was there was happy time. There was times of births and, and weddings and, and all of those things. And they, they were they were a people learning how to adapt. And the stories would, would and just like any of us, have stories that, that we have related uh, you know, I, I have friends here that have been through di- different circumstances and, uh, you know, and, and they they told stories about how they, you know, and that that's what happened with these people too. told them stories. And that's where they learned. So, you know, it seems to me like they've learned some of the most important lessons you can learn from these stories. Trust in God, hope and all, all of those types of things. How important is it for us today? To understand that as well, well, I think that's I think that's one of the main main reasons we study the book is what am I going to learn? What is God going to be able to teach me? And does does this any of this all you, you remember, guys? That all of this? Well, I'm still turning. Hold on, I'll get there in a minute. <laughs> you know, all of this, all of this, guys, is all of these stories and all of these people and all of this stuff, and then this is about Jesus and about our, our relationship with him. So all of these things that we can learn, we're going to learn from all of this. Uh, I think that as we read, you know, what have you learned from Joseph? Yeah. What have you learned from him? Have you learned anything from Joseph? Sure. Have you guys learned anything from Joseph? I mean, seeing how he was he was lied about and put in jail and, and abandoned by his family. These are things that all of us have instances in our lives when these kind of things happen in our lives. And we maybe didn't handle him the way Joseph did. So we can learn from him. We can learn from how how to be a parent. I mean, would you say that that Jacob in in a in a was a good parent, would you say? No. I wouldn't not. say that. So we can learn how do I be a father? Those are things we can learn from these from these guys. I I don't want to make that mistake of singling out a son and making that son feel and, and sadly, people don't look, look into the stories and they don't learn from it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, Paul will say, these things happen to them as examples. Now, specifically, the examples he's called forth here are, are some we haven't looked at yet. They are the wanderings mm-hmm. that'll come in Exodus. After, That's what he's talking about the, in that text. But. He's, he's looking at those, mm-hmm. but within, understand that all of the law, <coughs> all of this was written for us. And he says in verse 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the age has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Yeah. Um, it's it's incredibly important. The word of God is filled with good godly examples. It's also filled with those those negative examples, the the examples that we we look at, we go ah that I don't want that to be me. Yeah, um, incredibly important. So these these stories and and the Old Testament are still incredibly but, you know, relevant. Cole, today. I think we have to connect it. Absolutely. Many times we read and it's just pay, words on a page. Oh yeah. And I think we have to learn how to connect it to what is God trying to tell me? Is He trying to tell me something here that I need to learn? And what is it that He is trying to tell me? And I think that's what we're trying to do here, trying to help them trying navigate through this to help them learn. This is maybe what God's trying to tell us. You know, especially in 49, we look at, we're going to look at Judah and we'll look at Joseph. Mm. You know, what does he say about these two? He says, it says a lot about all of them, but but uh, 
we're not going to cover them all. We're just going to cover a couple of them. But you know, there's there's some stuff that he said. You know, you know, we we dealt with the uh, uh, who was it? We dealt with the uh, 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 I forgot the Simeon. And he talked. They were the one Simeon and Levi. Well, let, the, let's jump into it. Okay. Let's get right. into it. So we're in, in Genesis chapter forty nine. Let's not spoil it. Let's there let's get go. into let's that text. So in Genesis chapter forty nine. Uh, starting in verse one, then Jacob called for his sons. And so where we where we left off last time, you know, the fam- family of uh, Jacob had come down. They'd been given the land of, of Goshen. Um, in, in the meantime here, Jacob blesses Pharaoh. He blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. The, he's on his way out of the story. Jacob is, is quickly exiting the story. And so when 49 picks up, he calls for his sons and they gather around and it says, so I can tell you what will happen in your days to come to you happen to you in days to come so in verse two excuse me verse three rather he starts off with reuben reuben you are my first firstborn my might the first sign of my strength excelling in honor excelling in power turbulent as the waters you will no longer excel for you went up unto your father's bed unto my couch and defiled it he remember he's the one that went and laid with one of the one of jacob's wives and he was never forgiven. No. Never. No. Jacob Jacob never forgot. He always held that against Reuben. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the consequences of our sin, we don't get spared that. Yeah. Sometimes we have to live with it. And the beauty of this is God always forgives us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't. God is a perfect father. Yeah. He's a perfect father. Jacob was not. Jacob was not. No, he was not. Um, I mean, could you imagine for a second? This is your father on his death. Like he's he's supposed to be speaking into his son's lives. Now, Reuben, we've already seen all of these guys are fathers of themselves now mm-hmm. and have children. Yeah. You know, imagine for a second Reuben and the family gathered around, and this is what you hear your grandfather or great-grandfather say of your patriarch, your mm-hmm. You laid with my wife. Oh man! Think of the think of. Imagine if if they didn't know. I I don't think that would have been the case. My guess is Jacob is someone who wore his. It I don't not my guess. It would seem like Jacob is a man who wears his emotions on his sleeve. So I would not be surprised if he had a pet name for Reuben. You know, I could picture that going on in my head. That type of abuse. But you know, imagine if you're this kid's son or his grandson, and you're hearing this, and that's the stigma, right, Reuben? Yeah. The one who went and laid with, you know, his his his, his father's wife. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Ah. Oh, the stigma. Yeah. Just the stigma. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, and this is such a and this is such a uh this should be a, a better time. And it almost seems like he's he's starting off with a blessing, right? The first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power, and then flips the script. It's okay, Jacob's not done. Simeon and Levi, he says in verse 5, are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Of course, this is a reference to Dinah, mm-hmm. to the raping of Dinah. And, and, he, and them going and taking retribution mm-hmm. when, jo- when Jacob didn't do anything. Yeah, Jacob just sat back. In fact, the he daddy sat didn't back. do anything. He sat back and, and waited for his sons. Right, you remember that in yep. that text? Yeah, he just he said, "Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for the sons to get here." He knew what they were gonna do. Yeah, he knew, and he holds it against them to this. And day. we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about knowing what our children will do. Yep. Cursed be their anger, so fierce, and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. And that's exactly what happens. Levite, the Levite. But, but he, what he's doing here is prophesying what God's telling them. To some extent, I think so. Extent. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I, there's certain there's certainly a flavor of that in mm-hmm. here. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Because he has he's not he has no ability to scatter them anywhere. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, he says, "Curse me!" There, he has no ability to curse them. He has no ability. That's to do a good that. point. That is, and he has point. no ability to scatter them throughout Israel. None, mm. but God does. So, in a sense, this is prophetic. Yes. Certainly, there is certainly that. And because you, to it. we talked about it before we started, that Simeon is going to get pulled up right into Judah. So the Levites, their territory will be they, they will become the Scattered. priests of God. They will be priests. Yes. Um, so they will end up being priests, um, which 
you know, considering this, <laughs> what disqualifies you from being a priest? Well, apparently not this. Yeah, apparently <laughs> not this. Yeah. Um, because yeah. this is the tribe that gets selected to be a priest, right? So they get scattered because the priests, the Levites are not given any specific area of land. But right? they have land in every tribe. But they do have land in and every tribe. And they have cities that they can call their own in every in yes. every in every province. Yes. And so they get dispersed among but Israel. They are, but they're not says. they're not a clan that like like uh, say the area of Benjamin or the right. area of Judah would be. Right. They're and, not a clan like that. And Simeon in Joshua eighteen, Simeon ends up getting land but within judah so yes. judah encircles completely where simeon is at and so when he says i will scatter them in jacob and disperse them in israel it's literally what happens when they get the land judah in verse 8 judah your brothers will praise you your hand will be on the neck of your enemies your father's sons will bow down to you you are a lion's cub judah you return from the prey my son like a lion he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. We know who we're talking about now. Now, remember, we're looking for that seed, right? If we look at this this narrative, this arc, God said one was going to come, it's going to destroy the works of Satan, it was going to destroy the works of the devil, crush his head, right? He was going to strike him on the heel. So we're looking for that person. The question has been if it's Joseph. In chapter 50, we'll figure out it's not because he's mm -hmm. going to die, right? And so we've been wondering if it's, is it maybe it's Joseph. And then we get this. We get this line. Now, all of a sudden, Judah becomes important, Yeah. right? All of a sudden, now Judah has kind of become a main character. But, but, we, but we saw a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, where Judah has changed, all right? He right. was the one that wanted, he's the one that was in the, in the, sold him into sold Joseph but now he changes he changes kind of a mindset when Joseph reveals himself and he's and he kind of he kind of takes on some importance if you're mm -hmm. if you're hearing this story or you're reading this story later and you you come across this prophecy whoa wait a minute because then Judah all of a sudden we are told the scepter is never going to depart and not only that, and the but, scepter is explain to them what except what that means. What's so a, a scepter would be a um, the scepter, yeah. The, so the scepter was like a, a kingly rod. It was a symbol of a kingly authority. It was a, a single. It was a symbol of kingship. Yes, of power yes. and It'd kingship. Be, so like we, what we would think of as the crown. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. We we see the crown, modern day England, right, and that we know that oh, that's the the crown of England, yeah. the Queen mm -hmm. of England, mm -hmm. right. And it's the same thing here. We're supposed to understand this to be. The kingly line, right, is going to be, but then notice what it says here, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Mm -hmm. Abraham was given a promise, through you all nations will be blessed. And so we start to see this, and if we, we think back to the early chapters of Genesis, what did the nations do when they crafted that Tower of Babylon? They worshiped the tower, didn't well, they? Well, they were spitting in the eye of God. Oh, they yeah, were saying, we're going to seize this for ourselves. That, that was the idea. And so within... You know, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you have the fall of man individually, right? He falls through the power of the enemy. You have very, very possibly the spiritual powers and authorities that God set over creation itself also go into this chaos. And then you had the nations that those spiritual powers and authorities that were set over, you have the nations fall into this as well. So in other words, every level of the creation in Genesis chapters 1 through 11 falls. Yeah. You know, as as our culture, when we think of our culture, we're what's called a guilt innocent culture. So we think of things from a perspective of it's my fault, right? It ties into our individualistic nature, right? What are what are some of the most important things in our nation? Individual liberty, right? So we look at it from that perspective. And so if you ask somebody today, why is the world the way it is? It always goes back to an individual, usually, right? This person messed up. Yeah. This person did this. Yeah. Or if we look at we blame, what, we blame. You know, People. this leader or this person in right. a family or whatever. We yeah. look, well, we look at ourselves. Why are we? Well, because man sinned or, or Adam sinned mm -hmm. and I've sinned and we've all sinned, right? So it's a very individual. Mm -hmm. In Genesis 1 through 11, what we get is it's not just us. It's not just us. We have fallen. Society has fallen. The creation itself has, has fallen. fallen. Mm -hmm. And the only person that can save it is God. Is, yeah. And that's what he's setting out to do. And so... When it starts saying this, when God says to Abraham, all nations of the world will be blessed through through you, 
Oh, all nations. Well, they all fell in Genesis 6. Oh, okay. And then he says, and then the obedience of the nations shall be his. This is a rep is representing kingly authority, kingly power, and it's going to come from Judah. And, it's, it, and, and, it's, and it's basically what we consider part of the gospel is, is the, the kingly rule of Christ in the, in the land. Well, and on this side of the kingdom. cross, you're absolutely right. On this, on this side, side of the cross, of the cross yeah. uh -huh. we fully understand that Christ is the one to come. You know, I'm preaching through the Gospels right now. I'm doing a series on the Gospel of Mark. And, and the first thing I said in chapter one, what is the Gospel about? It's about the coming of the kingdom of God in power. That's what it's about. And it's right there in chapter one. Jesus right there starts preaching the coming of the kingdom of God. The good news about what? The kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so we know that what this is talking about is Christ. They didn't. They were looking for it. Yeah. They were looking for it. But but it gave them it gave them hope into a coming savior of some kind i i don't necessarily you know looking back then and what well, probably they would not have them known, no they would have known that the world is in chaos they would have known that that's what genesis very clearly communicates that without god there is chaos the nations left to themselves is chaos it's bad stuff bad things mm -hmm. happen you know in exodus chapter one we're going to read about a king who's a human who is wielding kingly authority and kingly power and what does he do with it he murders he he murders a, a, an infants in the, their mother's wombs and then when that doesn't work he starts throwing all these children into a river feeds them to Nile crocodiles and whatnot mm -hmm. and so what happens you know in Exodus 1 we see like a human king who's wielding all authority and absolute power and he's wielding it in the most terrible way imaginable and that's what we see in the early accounts of Genesis so this right if we think about what god is saying here there is going to come a, a king a power and authority who's going to exercise that authority over all mankind and that's pretty big that's hugely important yep. because up until this time what have we seen wickedness 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 yep. and so god in this prophecy we see the the huge potential for god setting things straight it's very very awesome it's a, it's a very cool uh, prophecy that we can see connect to Christ. Um, so he will tether the donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. In verse 13, Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. And so we're going to see, we're going to come back to this prophecy um, when we get into Joshua. And Joshua starts dividing up the land because we're going to see a lot of that there. Yeah. Um, you know, when you you mentioned that this was a prophecy, I was thinking about this from the aspect of, of Jacob and holding his grudge against Reuben. It's also important to remember that sometimes God lets you live out the consequences of sin. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't always save you from those. Yeah. You know, Reuben, I believe fully that Reuben atoned for mm -hmm. what he did here. Mm -hmm. He's still a member of the family. He's still pursued, but he's having to live out the consequences of that. His children will have to live out the consequences of that, right most, or wrong. Most of us do, though. Most of us live out the consequences of the things we did. It's only God that forgives and forgets. You know, we can't. We we have a tough time forgiving sometimes, and we have we have an it's impossible to forget. What do you What do you think is the best way to deal with something like that? That can be a very difficult situation, and I imagine for many of us. We've, we've got something like that in our lives where we've wronged a loved one, loved one in some horrible way. What, how do you deal with that? How do you deal? Let's say for a second that, yes, this is God prophesying, but Jacob is 100% on board, right? Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be that surprising mm -hmm. considering Jacob's nature. And so Jacob still holds this against Reuben. How do you deal with that? As, as, let's say you're Reuben. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with a father who, who because of something you did, scorns you, or a wife because of something you did, scorns you, or a sister or a brother? What do you, what, what do you say? What do you recommend? You know, I, I think, I think we. You always go back to the book and you always see what does God say to do. Okay, we love unconditionally. So it's a text that you're teaching these these young kids in your small group on Sunday afternoon. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. You know, that text is what the memory work they're doing. And I think we have to apply that in every situation, especially those. Uh, very difficult to do that when it's somebody close to you that will not let it go or cannot accept where you are or, you know, uh, bullies you, whatever it is. You know, you know, family members bullying you or, or you know, whatever it may be or people making fun of you, criticizing you for a stand you take. 
And I think I think God has told us that we love them no matter what unconditionally. I think when the opportunity comes and we have the opportunity, I think we we go to them and we say, "Brother, I'm sorry. I, I you know, please forget." Because when you do that, the peace that comes from that, God can't explain it to you. You have to experience it yourself. He can tell you about it, but you can't. He, he can't fully explain it until you experience it for yourself. And 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 know the 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 sense of peace that comes when you have said, "Please forgive me. I am so sorry that I did this," and sincerely mean it. And that person says, "It was not your fault." That that that's a that's a sense of 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 a peacefulness that comes. And God tells us that. And I think if if that, and I think part of the problem here, uh, there's no communication, Cole. Hmm. I think they probably haven't talked about it. Uh, you know, do you think they have? You think they've talked about? It? You think they've said it, that Jacob and Reuben sat down and said, "We, you and I need to talk." I think we don't communicate. Hmm. I think in our culture today, I don't think we communicate. I think that's why there's that's why there's uh, there's uh, barriers in our family. That's why there's walls built up because we don't communicate. We don't talk to each other. We don't say, "Tell me what's going on and what can I do to fix it." Well, and certainly not with. God's perspective in mind. No, no. You know, I mean, it's one thing to communicate, right? It's well, one thing. What does know, God ask of us? Well, I mean, if if I've done something wrong, right? And I and I let's say I've done something wrong to my dad. As the person who's done something wrong, I'm gonna want to communicate. I'm gonna want to go to him and and seek forgiveness and, and things of that nature. I may want that. I may want that assurance that you know he's still my dad. He still cares on all of those types of things, right? But from my dad's perspective, he might, he might, that it, whatever was done was so horrible. I don't want anything to do with him. Well, what if, what if they sit down and Reuben says, I understand what you're saying. What we did with Joseph was wrong. It was wrong. But, but you, you threw him in our face. And sometimes when communication happens, you really don't want to hear what the other person has to say. Right. Because that can be very hurt. I mean, it can it can hurt because it can bring the truth into into the existence that you maybe not had thought about or maybe didn't want to think about. Mm. And so, you know, when you when you look at it from that perspective and you say, okay, let's communicate what's going on here. What do we need to do? You know, when you talk to when you talk to uh, husbands and wives and and fathers and and sons and whatever, most of the time, the, what you find is there's no communication. They don't talk to each other. So they just assume they know what's going on when they really don't. Especially children with parents. They don't know what's going on. Have any idea what you're going through. And so if they would have communicated. And then and then really, God, God is calling us to compassion, humility, and empathy. Hmm. Those are not character traits we want, really want to have. <laughs> no, right? no, no. Because it makes me say, I am so sorry. Even when we don't believe that we were wrong. Yeah. You see, so, you know, when you look at these things and say, okay, what, what can, what can we learn from them? I think that's, that's what we can learn and a lot of stuff here that we can learn from this. And I think we're going to see it all through the text as we go through. There'll be so many lessons that we can learn so much that's going to, that's going to go on and that could have, that made this situation the way it is, made this family the way it is, you know, made Reuben, I mean, made Jacob, I mean, uh, Judah, my, my mistake, uh, you know, and made it made it necessary for Christ to come on the scene. You know, I know when I, before Christ came in my life, you know, you just don't you just don't talk to people much, and you don't ask for forgiveness. You know, you just don't. It's not what that's not what you do. But when Christ comes along and He demands of us to live a different kind of life, <coughs> He demands of us to to live a more holy life, a more God, a more Christ-like life. Well, now I've got to say, well, what does Jesus do on the cross? What's the lesson he teaches on the cross? Hmm. Father, forgive them. Yeah. You know, you know the, <coughs> these guys got spikes about that long with big old hammers, nail them into his hands and nail them into his wrist. He, you know, forgiveness is not something I'm, is top on my list at that point, <laughs> you know, to yeah. talk to them about, you know, really. So anyway. No, you're absolutely right. It's incredibly difficult. But if we strive for that godly perspective in our communication, understanding who this person is, who God sees them as, who I am in God, all of those things, I think I think we end up in better places. I mean, I don't think I know we end up in better places. You know, places. Cole, I look at this family and it's in disharmony. Mm -hmm. It's 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 in chaos, really. 
the things he's going to say to them are, you know, Jacob can trace back the reasons for some of this at his laid at his own feet. Hmm. He was the father. That's uh, a good point. He should have had a he should have had a handle on Dinah and Simeon and Levi. He should have had a handle on Reuben. He should not have treated Joseph better than the rest of them. He should not have not have not have shown it obvious that he loved Rachel more than Leah. He should not have done those things, but he did. This typical family, typical what happens, but it shows the so much the need for Christ in our life. That's very true. Because this chaos is going on every day in somebody's life. Maybe some, maybe one of you that's watching this kind of chaos is going on or went on, and you have the scars to prove it. The only answer is Christ fixing it. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it was if it was PTSD from some traumatic event. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it was if it was a disharmony between a father and children or mother and children. I don't care. I don't you know. I don't care if it was if it was uh, anger because God let you get sick. I don't care. Every bit of it needs Christ in our lives to fix this and to make this better. That's why Judah is picked out and said, and he says, the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he who it belongs to shall come. And the obedience of the nation shall be his. What did he say? He said, if you, you, he said, if you love me, what did he say you'll do? You will keep, keep my, my commandments. commandments. You are my friends if you do what I tell you to do. He demanded obedience. And that's exactly what this says. Absolutely. Fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus sitting on a rock telling them, you got to do what I tell you to do. Yep. Well, and we're going to come back to this prophecy, especially in 1 Samuel, when a Benjaminite, Benjaminite named Saul is anointed. King. Yes. Yeah. We'll come back to this prophecy and, talk, and talk about uh, predestination and, and how all that works. And okay. Good deal. It, it changes things up a little bit, I mm-hmm. think. But yes, excellent. Very well. Very good. Very good. Um, let's go down here to Joseph in verse 22 and the blessing that it's talking about a, a father. Now, we understand he's also speaking prophetically here. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I'm not seeing anything here that's being said that his heart wasn't in, you know. And so in verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility. Imagine there were some shuffling feet at that statement. Yeah, because the, but he, the first ones he knows about now is his own is his own sons. His own sons. And Joseph's own brothers. The one want, that started shooting at him. Do you wonder if Jacob's realized that his actions I don't know. shot some arrows I, I don't know. At, at Joseph as well? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. His favoritism and putting, other, putting him above others and all of those things. Do you think that had... I don't know either. Uh, it never. I, it never tells us. It doesn't. We never know that for sure. Uh, you know, I uh, did he ever look at himself and say, "Man, I really messed this up." Mm. Well, I didn't do a good job here at all. Because and in, in all these pro- doesn't sound like he takes responsibility as a father. No, not as a father. It doesn't look like it. But I'm sure he did at some point. I mean, and I'm not saying he doesn't love his sons. Well, no, no, no. And we're also not saying that he should bear all responsibility. No, his no, sons no. had choices to make here as well. But he's still the father and he still bears some responsibility. Yes, yes. But his bow remained steady. His strong arm stayed limber because of the might, the hand of the mighty one of Jacob. Because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. Because of your There's father's prophecy. God. There's another prophecy about Christ. The shepherd, the rock, of, the the rock of Israel. Yeah, absolutely. Because of your father's God who helps you, because of the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the skies above, blessings of the deep springs below, blessings of the breasts in the womb. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills. Let all the rest of the head of Joseph on the brow of the prince. Let all of these, excuse me. On the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. Hmm. Well, and what we've what we haven't seen, because we, we skipped it in forty eight, which we will come back to, the the question of who is going to receive the double portion, right? So when a patriarch dies, he leaves um his he leaves the way the inheritance worked is it wouldn't be cut in half. If you had two sons, it wouldn't be cut in half. What would happen is 
if you had two sons, one would get his portion plus another portion. So it would be like cutting a thirds. The one, the oldest would get two thirds and the youngest would get a third. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's the way the inheritance was divided up. And so in Israel, the double portion went to Joseph. It didn't go to Reuben. It didn't go to Judah. It went to Joseph. He elevates Ephraim and Manasseh joseph's two sons he elevates them to the to the position of equal of, of the rest of mm -hmm. his sons mm -hmm. and so let all of these rest on the head of joseph on the brow of the prince among his brothers i mean joseph is just still he's still elevated but he but he is uh, i believe at this point he has earned that elevation not because his father has singled him out as being somebody unique and special but because he's earned it, because he has been faithful to God. Mm. And he, and he, look at what he says in a, in, up here. He said, uh, uh, but his bow remained steady, his a strong arm stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the Almighty who blesses you with all these blessings. He said, God has been on you from the jump. Even though all of these people are hostile to you, even though they're throwing arrows at you, and shooting you, at you, you stayed faithful that's always. It. That's and you've, you've stayed faithful yeah. and you've trusted. It's so important. You know, people want to talk about how great, how awesome grace is. And they should. Grace is an awesome Absolutely. thing. Grace is an awesome thing. Absolutely. But if we don't trust in it. Well, it's, you know, Cole, we, we talk about salvation all the time. And salvation is, is a free gift from God. All right. It's called grace. Mercy is when God does not give us what we deserve. We deserve to be annihilated. Mercy says he's not going to do that. Grace is the gift he gives us that, that, that we have no business having. I deserve to be punished and I deserve to be annihilated. But that's not what he does. He gives me grace. And, and that comes through my obedience and my faithfulness to him. That's what he said. He said, he said right here, he said, and the obedience of the nations will be his. He will demand obedience. You can't just say, oh, I, I think, thank God for Jesus. I accept Jesus. Everything's good. That's not the way it works. There has to be obedience here, a lifestyle of obedience, a, a life committed to him. to being, And that's what Joseph did. And so the thing I learned from, from reading Joseph for so, so many times. We, so it's important to clarify this, though. But when we speak of obedience, what we're talking about is trusting and staying Absolutely. faithful to God. I, we're not I, talking about checking off boxes. No, 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 no. We're no, not no, talking no, about. No. I mean, I think we need. I think this. You know, we need to clarify this because some some people get get off and they want to say, "Oh, you see, there they go again talking about works." We're not talking about good no, works here. No, we're not talking about no. keeping commandments and things. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is trusting and it be remaining faithful in God and mm -hmm. to His Absolutely. promises. Absolutely. That's what obedience looks like because i have faith in god because i trust well, in his promises i'm not going to go after the things of the world when I'm we not get going when to... we get to exodus mm -hmm. and we get to the where they get to the promised land and they get and they get punished because they don't go in we're going to go to the book of hebrews and we're going to see that obedience and belief are are this god god they they, they work hand you can't have one without the other you can't have one with it. exactly if you say you believe and you don't obey then you don't believe that's right and it's not about checking all boxes it never was for god God said, you have to trust me and you have to believe in me. You have to believe that I am who I said I was. Yes. You know, what did I tell you that when I when I start studying with someone, especially if I'm doing one-on-one, -on -one, the first thing I'm gonna we're gonna set up, well, the first thing we're gonna decide, is God real? Does God really exist? And if he does, tell me how why you believe he's real. And then we're gonna we're gonna make sure that they believe this that he wrote this. Because if we can't if we can't decide on those two things, we can't agree on those two things, all we're gonna do is debate opinions. I don't want to debate opinions. I want to say, okay, what does the book say? Remember, God wrote it, and God's real, so what did he say? And uh, and if God tells me to be faithful to him, he's not telling me check off boxes here. That's not what he, he's talking to make me the center point of your life and stay faithful and walk with me. I'll lead you there. You know, Jesus said, unless you're willing to pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me, you can have no part of it. He's not asking me to go alone. Say, follow me. So many people. In today, in today's age, in this, in my generation, maybe, maybe not yours so much, but I know in mine and in younger generations, it's so easy for us to equate agreement with belief. Oh yeah, that's even in our, my generation. Yeah, and God's not asking for our agreement. 
He's not asking for us to agree with him that Jesus is the Son of God. He's asking for us to believe. They're two different things. As you've pointed out in the book of Hebrews, belief and obedience, they were one and the same. Chapter they're, 3. They're, I mean, we'll talk linked. about chapter 3. Um, you know, Paul will say in Acts chapter 17 that he's going to judge the world, and he's provided evidence for this through the man whom he raised, right? And so because of the resurrection, we have evidence of this. God isn't interested in you just simply agreeing, making a mental assertion no. that, yes, this is the way things are. Um, he wants your devotion and your trust and obedience. Because when we agree, when we just use that idea of, of agreeing, if it comes from us, we can be wrong. What if we're wrong? What if we only think we know what he's saying instead mm -hmm. of really looking for ourselves to find out what he did and letting him, him teach us what, you know, Cole, you, I know you do. Don't, do you believe that God wants what's best for you? Oh, absolutely. That he wants you to find the truth? Absolutely. That if we go to him, that he will help us find Proverbs chapter two says, look for it the way I tell you to, and I'll make sure you find it. Yeah. He's There's a no excuse. He is a rewarder of those. Who absolutely. Seek him. He says, hunt for it like you would silver and gold. He said, I'll make sure you find it. That's right. So there has to be effort here. Can't just say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Go to church on Sunday. They don't get it. That's not good enough. It's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking for our life. Well, in point of fact, that's checking off boxes. That's exactly right. I've said I believe in Jesus, and I go to church Sunday morning. What more do you want? If that's all oh, you're you want my money? Okay, I'll put 10 bucks in the plate. Okay, fine. I'll give my money. Can you see the boxes? Well, I said I believe, yeah. and now I'll go to church on Sunday, and then I put money in the plate. Are all those good things? Well, yes, yes. They're great things. And they're all things that he's commanded us to do. But if we're not approaching him in his way, mm -hmm. if our trust and our faith isn't in his way, and if that trust and faith don't communicate, don't end up changing who we are and putting him, as you said, as the center of our lives, mm -hmm. we've totally missed the boat. Well, he tells us, or is it Second Peter chapter 1? He tells us that, that through the resurrection we have a living hope, a new hope, a living hope, a hope that's alive. We hope mm. in, this, in this one with the scepter, this one that's coming, we hope in him because he's the only answer to fixing a fallen world. But that's yeah, awesome. You know, I I had not ever really read this. I'd read it before, but not really like this. I mean, this is this is really awesome. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age old hills. Let all of these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. Man. I'm grateful that we serve a God who communicates those blessings to not just his favorite. Yeah. Go read Ephesians one. Yeah. Go yeah. read Ephesians one. Yeah. And look at the graces and the blessings we've been blessed with yeah. in God. And if you look at Ephesians 2, he said, mm -hmm. he's writing to these Gentiles, and he said, and this is who you were. You had no hope and no God. You had no citizenship in Israel. You had nothing apart from God. And now in Christ, you're brought mm -hmm. together and made new. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? amazing. It is. Amazing. Um, so 49 concludes with the death of Jacob. So he exits the story. Again, we're going to come back. Uh, with Joshua, we're going to come back and look at some of, some of these uh, prophetic statements Jacob yeah. made to his sons, mm -hmm. and, and we'll we'll end up looking at all of them at that point. Um, but here in verse twenty nine, then he gave them these instructions: I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre and Canaan, which Abraham brought, uh, bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. Very interesting. Sarah was not buried there. Mm -hmm. Sarah was buried right outside Bethlehem. But he buried his first wife. You mean Leah. Rachel? Rachel, excuse yeah. me. As I said Sarah, rather. Yes, right. Rachel. Rachel was buried right outside Bethlehem. Leah is laid in the tomb with the rest of them. It's very interesting. The field and the cave in it were bought from the Hittites. Well, remember when we, we discussed that section, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we talked about when he found out he was married to Leah, that should have been it. He shouldn't have gone on. He shouldn't have done those things. It's one man, one woman. That's that's the concept. Mm -hmm. Christ confirms that in Matthew chapter 19. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he should have done. And he should have had the spirit, the the, the leadership as a, as a man, a spiritual head of his house to stand up and say, <coughs> enough's enough. Remember, I made that point. I just find it interesting that what would have been his legitimate wife and the one through which the seed promise comes, Leah is the one who's buried in this tomb rather than Rachel. 
I never saw that before. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, the field and the cave in it were bought, of course, from the Hittites. In verse 33, when Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. Chapter 50, Joseph threw himself on his father and wept over him and kissed him. <coughs> then Joseph directed the physicians in his service to embalm his father. They all mourned. And that's, and that's really how this chapter ends. They all mourn. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh and a whole host of Egypt and the sons of Joseph, uh, Jacob return up and bury their father in honor. In verse 12, so Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him with his fathers. It was at that time that Joseph's brothers uh, all of a sudden... They're afraid again. Afraid again. Because now daddy's gone. Because <laughs> now daddy is gone. So they, they so what do they do when, they, when we get scared? When we, throughout this whole book... Without looking at what comes next, I, and I know you know, yeah. but if we had to guess, right? Oh no, there's trial. There's scary stuff, right? I don't care if it's Abraham in a famine or Isaac in a famine or, or Jacob mm-hmm. and, and the threat of his brother. Oh no, scary stuff. What do we do? Do we depend on God? Nope. nope. Let's start scheming. <laughs> yeah. And so in verse, in verse 16, so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions. Oh yeah, their father. That's, that's, a, that's a real one. Yeah, he yeah. definitely... We just read what he said. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one who stuck up for these guys. Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Joseph's got to be reading this going, did you beat Jacob? Like, what are you talking about? I'm sorry. I can't. Anyway, uh, when their message came to him, though, no, Joseph, Joseph didn't laugh. He wept. His brothers uh, then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What a guy. Well, you know, I was thinking while you were reading that, I was thinking, has he really given them any indication to think that he was vindictive? Oh, I don't. It think. doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't meet his character. No. In all, he wasn't vindictive to Potiphar. They when would have been. He could have dealt. He could have clocked Potiphar. Okay. He could have. His wife. We would have had record of it. It doesn't. That means it didn't. I don't think it happened because that's not who Joseph is, no. and they know that. And then to come, that's why he weeps because he cannot believe that they would even think that of him. The difference is Joseph is a man of God. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He is. And well, that, proved, that shows us what what it means for us to be people of God, men and women of God. What? How do we? We Jesus should react said, this way. We will know them by their fruit. Joseph, his Joseph's brothers react the way they do because it's how they would have acted. Yeah, we see. We've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it in in their actions. It's how they would have acted. How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to act? I, I am. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to love unconditionally. I'm supposed to have compassion and empathy. Well, and you know. It, it starts it starts driving down the road, Dan. Somebody uh-huh. cuts you off. Why did they cut you off? And in our culture today, what happens? You see about you see it all the time. I know you don't watch the news much, but man, you see it all the time. Somebody getting shot and killed. I heard of one a while back, a baby, a, a child got shot. Some guy got mad because somebody cut him off. He started pulled out a gun, started shooting, and killed a kid in the car. You know, I mean I mean, what's wrong with people? What happened to the forgiveness and the empathy? There is none. This because Satan runs this country, this world. Yeah, he he runs he runs this fallen world, and we've got to realize that. And and here, you know, Joseph is is trying everything. And sometimes we're, <coughs> we're going to get accused. Of, you know, I mean, you're going through it. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. get called down to the carpet, and you know, I'm not guilty. I didn't do anything. What do I have to do to prove to you? Well, God says, don't worry about it. Just stay faithful. Yeah, I got this. You think Joseph in that dungeon, that in that prison, you know, uh, you know, in that in that well or on that tied up on that camel, that he didn't think, you know, what I do? I didn't do anything. God's just saying it's all right. I got this. God's telling us the same thing. I got this. Well, be faithful to me. And when and when you walk with God and you learn to trust in Him (coughs) and you you practice these things on a regular basis, this is your reaction. Yeah, your reaction isn't I'm gonna get I'm gonna get even. That's that would have been theirs, but it's not his. And it, you're right. And it, it's, cannot it, is be ours. it cannot it cannot be ours. Be ours. 
So the book ends, Genesis ends with Joseph saying, I'm about to die in verse 24, Mm -hmm. but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land faithful to the very end. He promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Mm -hmm. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110 Mm -hmm. and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. And so Joseph was, Joseph, I love finishing, I love the way Genesis ends with Joseph's arc because Joseph is, is the man of God. He is, the story begins with man created in God's image and immediately falling and failing to trust in him. And then all of creation falls. And then through God's diligent diligence and work through this family, there's finally one, one that really trusts and has faith to the very end. And that's how the book ends. I think it's great. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying Abraham wasn't a man of faith. I'm not saying Isaac wasn't a man of faith. I'm not saying Jacob. But this book ends with one. But Only it ends one. with one. Mm-hmm. It ends with with Joseph telling his brothers, you've got to be faithful until the end. God and is going to, to come through. to one of them that I'm going to, through you, the, next, the other one's going to come. That's right. That's absolutely right. So we're still looking for that seed because Joseph died. Yeah. It must not, not be him. him. We're not looking him. We're, we're looking, looking for the next one, right? And next week we'll we'll start the book of Exodus. It's fantastic. Yep. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for for the things that we've learned through this book. Uh, the seeing your people and the and the and the flaws and the failings of them, knowing that they're just like us and seeing how you love them and cared for them, how you blessed them and nurtured them. Father, we, we know that that is who you are and that we, uh, we look forward to all of those things happening in our lives as well. The blessings that come and, the, and the, the, the love that you have for us. Thank you, Father. I pray that you be with our audience, Father. Pray that you be with those that are watching or listening, uh, that those who are having struggles, that they will learn to, from, from this study to be faithful to you, to love you, to let you bless them, to let you be the God in their lives that they need you to be. Father, uh, help them to to line their lives up with what you call them to do. And uh, and thank you, Father. If there's anything we can do to help, that you'll make that known to us and that they'll reach out to us in some way. Thank you, Father, for loving us. And thank you for bringing us through this study. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.